If you've got a Bible, please do turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 14 together from John chapter 14. While you're finding that, if you don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm the vicar here at St. Thomas's, and it's wonderful to have you with us. So John 14, starting at verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you will always, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, then you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in the works I have been doing, they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. So today we are continuing our series called Faith, Hope and Love, taken from Paul's words to the Corinthians. Now these three remain, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. Today, we're looking at hope. Now just to get us started, I'd love you to turn to the person next to you, just for 30 seconds. What do you think of when you think of hope? What springs to mind? A particular phrase, particular words, what do you think of when you think of hope? Okay, great. Hopefully that's got the hopefully that's got you thinking. <laughs> uh, um, throughout this series, um, some of you have picked up on this hopefully as you've been here. We're getting different people from across the church family to communicate something during the sermon slot. Um, two people in each talk. This morning, we've got Cal Distin and Pippa Haslam sharing. Um, Cal's going to come and share first. So can you welcome Cal to the front? 
And Cal is going to share on what hope means to him as a disciple. So Cal. Um, so <laughs> I know that God is good and loves me more than I can possibly imagine. But 2020 was a really difficult time in my life. I struggled both with depression and suicidal thoughts. There were a number of reasons for this, but ultimately it boiled down to me putting my faith and my hope uh, and my identity in things other than God and Jesus' sacrifice for me. I struggled to see any point in going on. I wasn't happy and I felt like I was totally stagnating in life with no idea of where I was heading. I felt hopeless. Over time, I felt God lead me out of this place to one where I wasn't constantly discouraged or let down. The way I was viewing who I am, my self-worth and where I placed my hope shifted. I could finally see that the reason I have hope is not because of anything I can do, but because of what has already been done for me. In verse six, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has opened a way for us to know God as our Father. He's revealed the truth to us about God, uh, about God's love, and he's offered his life, us life in all its fullness. Those feelings of not achieving enough, not being good enough, being unlovable and so on, simply hold no weight to G next to Jesus' love for us. We are all loved by God and if like me, you trust in Jesus, you are a child of God. I don't have to know exactly where I'm going in life. I just have to trust that God does and that he will be with me through all of that. That invitation is for all of us who trust in Jesus. Oh man. Thank you, Cal. So hopefully that sets a little bit of a picture of where we might be going when we are thinking about hope. Now, I don't know about you, but this weekend, you may have felt a little bit of hope rising across the life of the nation. That often happens, doesn't it, when, when people get together and we've got something to celebrate. Hope begins to rise. Well, church, we have got the best thing to celebrate. We saw the coronation of a king yesterday, but we worship the king of kings. And the coronation reminded, reminded us of that yesterday. The coronation pointed us to the fact that we ultimately find hope in the person of Jesus. I loved it yesterday when the moderator of the Church of Scotland walked towards the king and said this, so as to keep you ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. Why is it that the Bible is the most valuable thing that the, world's, that the world affords? Because in it is hope. That's what the coronation was supposed to remind us of a little bit yesterday, that we don't ultimately put our trust in King Charles, but we put our trust in King Jesus, who is the hope giver. I loved it at the beginning of the service when one of the choristers at Westminster Abbey said, Your Majesty... As children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. A reminder that not just Charles, but all of us are welcomed by the King of Kings. 
And then you wouldn't have heard this yesterday, but I had a, um, you could download a copy of the full liturgy from the Church of England website and I was following along yesterday. When, Charles went behind, when King Charles went behind those screens, this is one of the prayers that the Archbishop prayed over him. By the power of the same spirit, bless and sanctify this oil that he was about to be anointed with, that it may be for thy servant Charles a sign of joy and gladness. The coronation yesterday is a reminder that Christian hope brings joy and gladness. Now, there is a massive difference between the way that the world talks about hope and the way that we should talk about hope as Christians. When we talk about hope, we're usually talking about optimism. Now, I am a very, very optimistic person, probably too optimistic, and I'm guilty of this all of the time. Um, I hope that Newcastle will get into the Champions League this season. At the start, I said that at the start of the season. I hope that they're going to win the league next season. I hope that it doesn't rain tomorrow, because it always rains on a bank holiday. Um, at the start of every football season, I always say Hull are definitely going to win the league this year. And we always come about 18th or 19th. At the start of every World Cup, England are definitely going to win the World Cup this year. It's definitely coming home. And it never does. There's a difference between what the world thinks about hope, which is just blind optimism, and Christian hope, which is grounded and rooted in certainty. Peter wrote this, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The hope that will be brought to you. Christian hope compared to worldly hope is different because Christian hope is, is grounded in what God has promised. And when God promises something, he actually does it. The Bible says, doesn't it, that all of God's promises are yes and amen. And so today, we're going to look at how we can fill, live hope-filled lives and how we can be people of hope. So keep the Bible passage open in front of you. We're going to look at four things together as we work through these verses. And the first thing is this, that Jesus is the source of our hope. So these are verses one to four. Jesus is the source of our hope. Jesus starts towards the beginning of this passage by saying this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now the Greek word there for troubled is terasso. It means to be agitated, to be stirred up, to not be at peace, for your heart not to be at rest. And Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be like that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, it may be that you read that, you read these words this morning and think, well, that's easier said than done. It's easier said than done, Jesus, to not let my heart be troubled. Jesus, if only you knew what was going on in my life right now, you would, you would never say to me, do not let your heart be troubled. Do you not know how many exams I've got in the next three weeks? Do you not know how many words I've still got to write for my dissertation? Do you not know about all of those broken relationships that I'm wrestling with at the moment? How, Jesus, can you say to me, do not let your heart be troubled? My heart is always troubled. Well, look at what Jesus goes on to say. Knowing that his disciples' hearts are troubled, 
knowing that your heart is troubled today, Jesus says this, believe in me. And immediately, Jesus takes us to our future, to our eternal destiny. He immediately begins to talk about the Father's house. And he says, the Father's house has many rooms. And he says that there's a room for you. And more than that, that God, Jesus, is preparing this room for you. And even more than that, Jesus is going to come back and take you to that place that the Father has prepared for you. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus is saying that our hope should not be based on temporary troubles or on the circumstances that we find ourselves in now. The hope that we feel should not be curtailed by the stuff that we go through now. Why? Because our hope, the hope that we have is not based on our own abilities. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on how we feel. Hope is not just for those who are optimistic. It's not just like if you're a glass half empty kind of person that you can never live in hope. Biblical hope is based on the promises of Jesus. So when our hearts are troubled, Jesus reminds us of our eternal destiny. And what Jesus is saying is this, rather than letting your view of now affect your view of God and your view of eternity, why not let eternity influence your view of the now? And the reason that we can do that is because Jesus is our source of hope. And so when things do feel a little hopeless, when our hearts are a little troubled now, we remind ourselves of where we are going to the very source of hope himself, Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I was on holiday in Andalusia and we stayed in a house located in the countryside and it was surrounded by sunflower fields, like literally mile after mile after mile of sunflower fields. And one day we got up early in the morning to drive to a lake and all of the sunflowers were pointing in the same direction. And we drove back later on early evening and all of the sunflowers were suddenly pointing in a different direction. I felt I was still driving in the same direction as I had this morning. It was quite disorientating because all the sunflowers were still pointing the same way. And I soon realised that the sunflowers had moved with the sun, that they were always facing it. In the same way, we're to do the same. We're to position ourselves towards the source of hope that is Jesus Christ. He alone is the source of our hope. If we face anything else, we will not thrive. So a question for us to think about, if Jesus is the source of our hope, when you feel helpless, when I feel helpless, when I feel hopeless, when I feel that my heart is troubled, where do I turn? Where do you turn? What does your heart follow? Is it following Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the hope bringer, or is it following something else? Food, drink, escapism, old ways of behaving. None of these things can give us an eternal perspective. Only Jesus can give us an eternal perspective. Only he is the source of our hope. 
Firstly, Jesus is the source of our hope. Secondly, Jesus is the way to our hope. So Thomas, immediately after Jesus is talking about um, all of the things that are being prepared in eternity, Thomas asked Jesus, but Jesus, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? How can we have a sure and certain hope that we will get there? Now, perhaps if you were in this conversation, you, have may, you may have asked a very similar question to what Thomas asked. How can we know where you are going? And then Jesus replies with one of Jesus' most famous sayings. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is making an extraordinary claim here that he is the way. Any other way, Jesus says, is going to lead you nowhere. Jesus is the only person that can lead us to the Father and to hope. Jesus says that he is the truth. In my experience, most of the hopelessness that we feel is actually rooted in a lie. Perhaps you think that someone once, or you remember someone once told you that you weren't good enough. Perhaps a friend whispered into your ear in a playground that nobody would ever like you. Perhaps you were told by somebody that should have known better that you would never amount to anything. And that lie begins to take root in our lives and it begins to define who we are. Jesus is the only person that can bring ultimate truth to who you are. He's the only person that can speak hope to you. We were reminded of this last week, weren't we, as Christy spoke to us in the morning when she spoke about the fact that God sees us. God sees who we are. I was reading in Glenn Packiam's book, Blessed, Broken, Given, earlier this week, this, and I just thought it was for somebody here, maybe a few of you today. So hear these words if you feel unseen. Receive these words if you feel that a lie is dominating your life right now. God sees you. God hears your cry. God knows your name. Forget the names you hear in your head. Never mind the names that you've been called or the ones that you've called yourself. You are not an outsider. You are not unnamed and unseen. God is rewriting your story, changing the way you answer the question of where you have come from and where you are going. The way that your story began is not the way it will end. Your family of origin will not have the final say about who you are. Your current trajectory is not fixed. Yes, your life will be a journey. No, it will not always be easy. But God has found you in the desert and he wants you to know that his blessing is for you. Now, perhaps you're here today and you feel unseen because of something that has been spoken over you. Jesus is the truth. And he speaks truth to who you are today. He sees you, he calls you, he loves you. He gets to define you. He is the life. There is no other way to live. There's no other way to live that will give life in all of its fullness. 
Now this saying from Jesus that he is the way, the truth and the life is a claim to divinity. Jesus is saying that he is God and that he is the only way to a hope-filled future. There is no other way. Now, what I really want us to notice about this passage is that Jesus isn't actually just talking about the future here. It's not like, you know, sometimes we think of the Christian journey as being, um, we're so sinful, um, the cross is wonderful, and we step from death into life, and we just make that one step, and that's the, that's the entirety of the gospel. Now, that, of course, is true. The cross leads us from death into life. But there's a whole kingdom that we're co-heirs with that the Father wants us to explore in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has so much for us. And sometimes we just make it about being going from death to life and then we store up everything else for eternity. God wants to bring our eternal destiny, what he has for us, into the now, right now. Jesus is not just talking about the future. If you know me, he says, you will know the Father right now. We can know the Father through Jesus. This is what Jesus has always been doing. Jesus always points us to the Father and to the Father's heart and to his love for us. If we know the Father, we have hope. One of the reasons I think that there's so much hopelessness around, this is a shocking statistic. I read this earlier this week. An estimated 2 million children in the UK have no meaningful contact with their father. Just think about that. 2 million children have no meaningful contact with their father. You could fill St. James's Park 46 times over with the number of children in the UK that have no meaningful contact with their father. It's no reason that we're experiencing hopelessness in the nation right now. But Jesus is saying that he can lead us to the perfect heavenly father, who is the only source of unconditional love and affirmation for us. He's the only Earthly fa- uh, the only father who, unlike earthly fathers, will never let us down. He'll never let us go. Once he gets hold of us, he holds on to us forever. Now, just as I say that, it may be that you're here today and you don't have a great relationship with your earthly father. Perhaps you've never met them. Perhaps there's been some kind of breakdown or mistrust or whatever it might be. I think that God today wants to bring some healing to your heart that you may know the Father heart of God and that he wants to speak hope to you today. Now, what Jesus is saying for all of this is that our hope is not found in following traditions or rules or religion. Our hope is found in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, thirdly, Jesus is the manifestation of our hope. So Jesus is the source of our hope. Jesus is the way to our hope. Jesus is the manifestation of our hope. This is looking at verses 8 to 11. So Philip um, asked that first question. We don't know where you're going. Thomas is next in to ask Jesus a question. Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Um, amen to Thomas's question. I suspect that if we were listening to Jesus and he said that he was the way to the Father, we'd probably say the same thing. Jesus, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus replies, 
don't you know me? Don't you know that if you have seen me, you have seen God? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father? Christians throughout the ages have always said that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying here. Now, perhaps you're here and you don't know if you follow God or not. Perhaps you're just checking out the claims of Jesus or you're just exploring spirituality. If that is you, you're in good company. There's lots of people like that here. But hear Jesus say this, if you want to know what God is like, you have got to look at me. Jesus says that he is the image of the invisible God. Paul would put that into those exact words just a few years later. Jesus is the manifestation of hope. Now that for me is so reassuring. Jesus sees to the depths of my mess, to the very bottom of my depravity and all of the stuff that I have. And yet he loves me to heaven. He loves me to salvation. He loves me to total freedom. The one who, as we read the gospel, stops for the person in front of him all of the time, who stops for the people that nobody else would stop for, Jesus stops for me. The one who promises that he's preparing a place for us where there are no more tears, pain or suffering. Jesus is calling me to himself, to a manifestation of that eternal hope. Jesus is the manifestation of hope. Now, Christians throughout the ages have known this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived under Nazi regime um, in, during the Second World War and was killed um, by Hitler in a concentration camp, he once said this, Christian hope is not an escape from reality, but a discovery of the fullness of reality. Well, what is that reality? If Christian hope isn't just a blind escapism, you know, we just press the eject button so that we can get out of everything bad in our life and suddenly are transported somewhere else. What is this fullness of reality that we can hope in? Well, the New Testament says that you, if you believe in Jesus, you are in Christ. And that God has raised you with Christ, Christ and seated, with, seated you with him in the heavenly places. In other words, Christian hope lets us see the fullness of reality that is everything that belongs to the kingdom of heaven. The fullness of reality is actually what it means for us to sit at the right hand of the Father in Jesus. That's true reality, not what we're experiencing right now. This is why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's reality. Jesus manifests it and it's our call to manifest it to the people around us. Tim Keller put it like this. Jesus' resurrection doesn't just give us hope for the future. It gives you hope to handle your scars right now. Now, I don't know how you've come to church today. I don't know how you're feeling I don't know what level of pain you're going through or suffering or sickness. You know. God knows. And the hope that Jesus manifests and brings, the eternal hope that's awaiting all of us, doesn't just, it doesn't just belong in the future. 
but by the power of the Holy Spirit, God drags it into our presence so that we can handle the things that we're going through right now and that they can be changed and transformed. Jesus is the manifestation of our hope. Even in the midst of our storms and our struggles. Now it's our job, church, as I've just said, to manifest that hope to the people around us. In a few minutes' time, Joanna's going to lead us through celebrating the meal of hope, communion. As we take communion, we receive hope, but we're also reminded that we're to, bring hope, we're to be hope bringers to other people. Again, Glenn Packiam in Blessed, Broken, Given put it like this. One liturgical prayer asks that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the bread would be for us the body of Christ. Now, Joanna's going to pray that prayer in just a few moments' time. Listen up for it. Come, Holy Spirit, she'll, she'll pray, that this bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason we pray that prayer is so that we might be for the world the body of Christ. Imagine praying that prayer every Sunday. We do here. Just as we meet Jesus as we receive the bread, so the world meets Jesus as they receive us. The world meets Jesus as they receive you. In other words, Jesus's hope is made manifest through us. Did you know that you are a hope bringer? Regardless of the scars that you're carrying, regardless of how you feel today, regardless of what you're walking through right now, regardless of the pain level that that is called, whatever those stuff is causing you, Jesus says over you that you are a hope bringer. Jesus is the manifestation of our hope and we get to manifest Jesus to the world. And that leads me on to the final point very briefly. Jesus empowers us to live in hope. Verses 12 to 14. Now, after this current sermon series is finished, we're going to be doing a sermon series called Empowered where we're going to look at this stuff more deeply as we look at Ascension and Trinity and Pentecost. But just notice some of the things, just as a teaser, what Jesus says in John 14. Jesus promises, this is mind-blowing, Jesus promises that his followers will do even greater things than what he did. Now, Jesus did some pretty extraordinary things. How on earth is it that we will do even greater things than the things that Jesus did? Well, church, look around the world today. Millions of people every single month for putting their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour in places where we never thought it was possible even 15, 20 years ago. The stories of healing and transformation that even we get to hear in our little local church family here at St. Thomas is a absolutely fantastic. We've had baptisms now for, it seems like every week for the past month or something, we've got five more tonight. Jesus is continuing to transform lives. He's continuing to do fantastic, unbelievable, faith-filled things through you. Jesus promises that you will do greater things than even than what he did. Whatever we ask for in Jesus's name, he will do. Jesus empowers us by the power of the Holy Spirit to be hope bringers. So some questions just for you to reflect on today as we um, come into land. Is Jesus the source of your hope? Are you like a sunflower that positions towards Jesus all of the time and turns where he is 
even when things get difficult? Or are you turning towards something that's not bringing hope and life and joy and peace? Jesus is the source of our hope. Jesus is the way to our hope. Are you following the way of Jesus? Are you living in his truth and experiencing the power of his resurrection life? Are you trusting that Jesus is the manifestation of your hope and that you get to manifest that to others? And are we praying collectively as a church body, but as individuals every day, come Holy Spirit, empower me to be a hope bringer. May you do amazing things through me today because that's what you promise in your word. Can I invite you to stand where you are? So just as the band come up, um, Pippa's going to share for two minutes on hope um, and what hope means for her. And I encourage you, as Pippa does this, just to receive and to be asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill you afresh as Pippa speaks these words over you. Hello. So we, well, I know that I hope for a lot of things and a lot of them exist outside of my control. Things that we can't guarantee happen. Me and Alice right now are really hoping that Taylor Swift is going to release her international tour dates and we're hoping even harder that we're going to be able to afford them. I'm also secretly hoping that Charlotte Claire's going to, you know, pull it back to date the Miami Grand Prix, but we're not really sure about that. These are all things that I have to hope will happen because I can't make them happen with my own will, even though I might try. In other words, for lots of us, Christians or not, we hope as a form of wishing. I find myself hoping that something will happen with no real certainty. If I'm hoping for it, it often means that I don't believe it will definitely happen. In Bible terms, though, when we listen to Jesus' words, hope is transformed into a sure thing. His words are true when he says, if you ask for it in my name, I will do it. Unlike earthly hope, which we have to try and catch and hold on to, lest it sort of drift away, Biblical hope is dependable and biblical hope is solid. Hope is not like luck for Christians. We don't find hope in material things like Taylor Swift tickets. Instead, it is found in God and it is given through the cross and is evidenced in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Something which, since being baptised, I've understood so much more deeply. That it is through Jesus that hope is no longer something which I need to try and reach for to secure in earthly things. And with the Holy Spirit, a true and solid hope is now found in us.